Annalisa Valencia, lovingly known as DL. And this podcast series, well, I just have to say I am beyond excited, honored, and so happy to be able to present it to you. It's all about high vibe connection. This is my way of helping all of you around the world to learn how to release those those thoughts, the fears, the feelings that hold you back, the, the, the limitations that we put on ourselves to help you to become deeply inspired, convicted, and off the charts courageous in your life's journey with the absolute and undeniable knowing your potential is unlimited. Think about that. Your potential is unlimited when you simply connect to the high vibe energy of the universe, of source, of mother nature, of the feminine divine, to the way of the Tao, to all that is when you connect with God, to whatever you name or don't name your inspired in-spirit intuition to an energy that is beyond words. In the movie Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner heard a message, a whisper, build it and they will come. Build it and they will come. Nobody heard the message but Kevin. And he thought, am I cray cray? (laughs) But there was something inside of him that said he had to build whatever this was because whomever it was, was supposed to come. And despite what everyone said he should do, he followed what he knew was his innate responsibility, part of his divine destiny. Well, that's what this podcast is from me for you. This is a divinely inspired creation from messages I have received pretty much throughout my lifetime, which you will learn in this episode number one that gives you just a little taste of who I am. Messages that I can't deny that have said, I have to go out and help people in the world to learn to connect with joy, with happiness, with peace, with the ability to look into the mirror and say, to your spirit, not just to your physical self, but to your spirit. I love how happy looks on you. This podcast is a gift from source energy, from what I call the light of God. Because I learned long ago to listen to these messages, I have decided that even though the first episode that I recorded was actually not for you, but for my guests who I've invited to be a part of the series, I realized that it's very raw, real, and vulnerable. And the way for you and me to deeply connect spirit to spirit is for me to show you who I am in my mm, most vulnerable authenticity. So get ready, because you're about to hear something that I specifically created just for friends and family. But I have messages from beyond that have said, DL, you've got to send this out to the world. So that's what I'm doing. During each episode, we will share with you stories that have helped us to get through some of the most difficult and challenging times. And I have to say, it's not always about difficult, challenging times either, because once you get into the flow with high vibe connection, it's like this fuel that keeps you going in directions that amaze you. It's 
It's discovering treasures in your life that you you dreamt of, but you never envisioned would be so amazing. That's what this podcast series is about. It's about how to tap into that beautiful energy that we cannot see, but know is with us every single day, guiding our way as long as we choose to connect with it. We often see this beautiful light in children. And unfortunately, as we grow older and become adults, we lose it because we learn how to conform to what society says we should do, we should become, we should be. Well, I promise you, the stories and life experiences that will be shared every week in this series will help you to reconnect with that superpower. That's what it is. It's a childlike superpower from beyond that fuels our our desires and creations. It will help you to turn your visions and hopes into more than you could ever imagine. This high vibe connection is the greatest treasure we get to discover, no matter who we are, where we come from, or what we've experienced. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. There are no parameters for connecting with high vibe energy, except do it. It turns every single day into a new day of astounding possibilities. Once you choose to tap into and continually fine tune your high vibe connection, you will discover that there's nothing more marvelous and magical than what you're able to make come true, to manifest by simply choosing to connect with joy, with peace, and love. And like the lotus flower that comes out of the darkness each day, you get to step into the light. Brazilian novelist Paulo Coelho, he's renowned for writing The Alchemist. He noted, I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you. (laughs) That pretty much sums up you for me. I love you. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing this because I got to tell you, I got a lot of nervous butterflies going on in this belly right now, just thinking about what I'm about to release to the world. But as I said, I've received the messages and I'm going to let it fly. So here we go. Episode one, which will tell you a bit more about the why of me and what this podcast series is all about. It's all about high vibe connection with me, DL. And please forgive the not so perfect audio, uh, little glitches and things like that. We did our best to make it sound good. The reality is I was sitting outside on a curb thinking of my friends and family and people that I was inviting to be my guests. The sun was shining, the birds were were twittering, and I was being hugged by mother nature. And I knew at that moment, this was it. It's time. It's time for It's All About High Vibe Connection with DL. I love starting my morning going to Weigel's. It's my local, uh, kind of like your 7-Eleven, but it's a mom and pop shop. It's uh, It started as a mom and pop shop uh, way, way back when here in the low East Tennessee. And my favorite thing to do is to grab my organic Kona coffee a big, large one, and I enjoy a donut. Yes, it is my 
unbelievably satisfying uh, treat that I give myself, especially because I am so focused on helping myself, helping others to eat plant-based. Why? Because I truly love embracing the healing power of the human body. It is astoundingly miraculous. And I have to say the other reason that I love going to Weigel's in the morning is because there is this wonderful connection that happens. I walk in the door and immediately it's really a part of the the, uh, energy, the nature of little old East Tennessee. I hear, hey, Miss Donna, how are you? And that to me just starts my day. And I recognize that that energy of community, of connection, of feeling seen, of being able to share who I am, share my love, really listen to them, check on them. We're, you know, we see each other every day. And at the same time, it's as if every new day is we haven't seen each other for a while and we just want to give each other a hug. And it could be as simple as saying, what you doing today? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing? Now, notice that I fall into the accent. I love that. (laughs) That is part of me originally being from Maryland and loving the accent there and then spending many years trying to get rid of it. And now I just embrace all different accents. I thought I'd take time today to sit out here in this beautiful sunset, sunlight rather, of fall. The trees are stunningly glorious. It's literally looking like a land of lollipop color in the trees. And I see a tractor in the distance, slowly going through the field, rolling up these big bales of hay. And I think about my time in LA, and I love, love, love my experience, loved my experience in LA. I lived in Southern California for 44 years. And a huge bulk of it, I was in Hollywood, working in the entertainment industry, loving every single solitary second. Well, I should say most. There's always something, right? But it was was literally like I was a kid in a candy store. My dream come true, especially because my my, uh, number one client and number one employer that I just cherished was Disney. What more could a kid want than to work with a mouse? And I was... You know, I had 12 years with them and worked with the likes of the NBCs, ABC, CBS, Paramount, all of that stuff, right? But the one thing that was missing for me, and I tried to find it by driving to the mountains, driving to Lake Arrowhead, driving to Big Bear, even bought a house in Big Bear. I, I was missing the deep connection to nature. And I didn't understand what it was, except that I knew that I felt off, I felt like I couldn't connect with me. I couldn't find that part of me that felt so deeply connected to God. And it wasn't that I didn't connect with God, but it was that I felt that I couldn't dive into it in a way that I really wanted to. And I kept telling myself, it's okay, it's okay. Time will come, time will come. I'll do it when I retire. Well, I'm so grateful that here I am now in in little old Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville. You got to say Knoxville. And I'm surrounded by the Smokies and immersed in four seasons and absolutely love the gift of being here. 
I think even bigger than that, I love the gift of being able to choose. I love the gift that I got to choose to be in LA in its really amazing heyday in the 80s and 90s when there was so much evolution, even in the 2000s, the first part of our millennium. I got to be there when there was massive transition going on. Lots of of, of stepping out of analog to, to digital, a, a lot of uh, uh, directing the greatest voiceovers and working with the most amazing editors. And just, there was so much going on. We were setting precedent for the future in so many ways. And I think about my life and I think about how fortunate I am that I have been able to make those choices. And not only that I've been able to make the choices, but that I've made the choices. I've had the courage to figure it out and make the choices. When I went to Weigel's today, every once in a while, I'll buy a lottery ticket. And I'll always write the name on the back of the ticket of the person that I purchased the ticket from. So today it was Lilith. I adore Lilith. And she is just such a beautiful, special being. And what I know is that one day I will win this lottery. That's what I tell myself every time I buy. One day I'm going to win the lottery and I'm going to make sure that whoever sells me the ticket, that they will be rewarded exponentially. And I always say, when we win, all that I ask, all that I require is that you are going to devote a tremendous part of your winnings to helping other people on the planet. And the resounding answer always is absolutely. And I know this, right? So I'm driving along, left Weigel's, big smile on my face. And then it dawned on me. I'm talking out loud to God. And I'm saying, okay, God, let's do this. It's time. Let's win the lottery together. Because you know what? I just want to... I want to help people. I want to help my family. I want to help my friends. I want to be able to invest in all of the things that I dream of creating and doing. And then I said, I just want to clarify, God. And yes, I do have conversations with God all the time. <laughs> I laugh. I say, if you ever see me sitting alone talking to myself or walking, talking, a lot of people are talking to people on the other end of the phone. I'm talking to God and angels. I'm constantly in a, uh, a conference meeting uh, talking to everybody. So I said to God, you know, I want you to know something. I've already won the lottery. And I got teary because I recognize I have. I've won the lottery in that I have this amazing life. And that I recognize that I have this amazing life. And that I have embraced this amazing life no matter what's happened. I've pushed through it. And here I am today at 61 years old. And I, or I should say, honestly, 61 years young, because that's how I look at it. I feel 32, and I look probably 38. <laughs> I'm always a kid. I just can't help it. And I was born in 1961. So I was born in 61, and I am 61. And actually, when you all hear this podcast, I will have just celebrated 62 years of traveling around the sun because I am going to launch this dream come true podcast on my 62nd birthday, which is November 30th, 2023. And I recognize that the lottery is not 
that piece of paper that connects to this unreal amount of green paper. It's about energy. It's about understanding that the lottery is life, that we've already won the lottery. The winning of the lottery, rather, is life. The grand prize, the big gigundo, it is worth more than the billions of dollars that people have won. The lottery is this beautiful life that we get to live every day. (laughs) That is pretty astounding, isn't it? We get to have this life. We get to have this miraculous body that no matter what scientists do, they cannot invent a human body. Think about that. They cannot invent a human body from scratch. Sure, you could do all the genetic modifying, blah, 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 right? But no one can invent a body. So all of that energy that we all put into making sure we have these fabulous cars and fabulous homes and that we look good, we dress good and all that stuff, we put so much energy into that. And so often, what do we forget? We forget that we already have won the lottery and we have the most amazing, one-of-a-kind, unique, physical selves. That is astounding. I oftentimes say, I embrace my geekiness. I love being the blend of sexy and geeky, of smart and insert foot into mouth, of, of loving nature and being out here in the Smokies and loving living in the, the, the metropolis of New York City. I've never done it, but that is one of my biggest dreams that I know I will make true, of traveling, just hopping in my, my uh, what I call my Tennessee limo, which is our black uh, or, or charcoal gray van. Um, either that one or my little gold van, which I call the uh, uh, Van Brigini, and I thank my niece for giving me those names, um, and just driving. My favorite driving partner is my mom. She is 82 years young, and in just a, a, a split second, I can say, Mom, let's go take a drive to Asheville. Let's go get dinner. Now, Asheville is 130 miles away to the, to the restaurant. She's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> And we get in the car and we drive and we are awed, absolutely awed by the beauty of this planet, no matter what the season. And we listen to podcasts and we listen to songs and we we talk about higher conscious thinking. We talk about all of the things, family, whatever it is that helps us to walk through our ponderings with one rule, no negative Go to the dark side conversation. It's all about embracing the gifts of life. It's all about all about embracing the opportunities of how we get to walk through this life and look at this life and cherish the moments. When I was two, I actually knew I was a big person in a little body. I can remember looking out from my little body and knowing I was a big person in a little body. When I was four, I knew 
I'd been here before. I know that sounds cray-cray, but I saw this kid walking down the street, fifth grader, carrying all these books. And I looked at him and I said, I know I've learned everything he knows and I'm back here to learn it again. I was four. I was selling lemonade on the side of the street and I saw this little kid and I knew it. When I was nine, I knew I was going to do some kind of mission work. I had just put together in 24 hours with my brothers and sisters, I'm the eldest of five, and we got a couple of kids in the neighborhood and we put together this little carnival and I think we raised something like, I don't know, $27.50 and we were so excited. Let's go to the store and go buy candy and ice cream. And my dad said to us, you know, what do you think about instead just taking a little bit and donating it to the poor in India? I thought, oh, are you kidding? But okay, fine. Because of course we got brought up being very aware of the poor in India. Every time we didn't want to eat our lima beans, you know, the poor in India would eat those lima beans. And I used to think, give them my lima beans. (laughs) Now I love them. I cook them with garlic and olive oil and all that stuff. So we went to the church I, I was brought up Catholic, and we met with the Monsignor, who in my eyes as a nine-year-old was one step next to God besides the Pope. And I remember him thanking me for this beautiful gift. And he said to me he was going to give the money to a missionary in India. And he patted my head and blessed me, and I thought, I am walking on water. Well, four months later, I received a letter in the mail from India, and I still have it. And it was the missionary detailing for me every single thing, that $27.50 or whatever the amount was, what it did for the poor. And I, my heart, it was as if somebody just hugged me and I could feel the teariness and I thought, that's it. I'm supposed to do mission work in the world. I just didn't know what. I I thought maybe, maybe it's to help the poor. But then again, I knew my mom at one point had a dream of doing Peace Corps. I didn't know what it was. And I just had that. But I knew intuitively that is my purpose without even knowing those words. I knew it was my purpose. I've gone through three intense seven-year journeys in my life. The first was about the the why of life and death. Why are we here and and why do we die? And walking through intense pain about that. And the second was about understanding the difference between sex versus love. You know, let me me backtrack a second. The the, the reason that I, I, I walked through the life and death is not only was I dealing with the death of grandparents, but it was the death of, or I should say the passing of my best friend who was 16. And I had to wrestle with a lot with that one. So then we go, I get through that, which I'll I'll share more, I'm sure, in the upcoming podcast. And I'm now going through the next seven-year journey about sex versus love, about trying to figure out why is it that I adore men and I adore women? What is it about me that is attracted to women when I know I've been told I'm going to go to hell if I'm attracted to men? I mean, to women. Actually, I wasn't told that. I felt that. What I felt was I was the only girl in the world attracted to women because I didn't know anyone else. So that was a big old journey. And then my third seven-year journey had to do with faith versus God. 
what is it to be deeply connected with faith versus who is God? And, and, and why would an all-loving God, as we were taught, why would an all-loving God banish me to hell forever and burn me? That made no sense to me. So these are part of my journeys. And, and those three seven-year journeys became the foundation for who I am now at 61 years young. When I was in that third seven-year journey, I had the most intense, breathtaking epiphany. When I was so broken, I mean, I was crying so hard, I could have melted into the earth. I had just moved to Tennessee and had a lot of stuff going on where my life was just being obliterated. And all of a sudden, I had a split from reality. And I was shown the curtain between here and there, what I perceive as the energy of heaven. And that, that, that place of, uh, that's beyond our physical existence. And it was then that I felt this most astounding love, like no love I'd ever seen before. It was breathtaking. And I was guided shortly thereafter when I, I, I excitedly con- contacted my then pastor, Martin, who is absolutely one of the most godly men on this planet. I have teased him saying he reminds me of Jesus. His energy is off the charts. And I said, Martin, Martin, I know why I'm going through essentially this hell on this planet when I'm my, seeing everything fall apart in my life, my family, my career, everything. I know why. It's about my connection to God. It's about my understanding that faith is deeper than black and white. And he smiled and very calmly and gently, he looked at me, he looked into my soul, connected spirit to spirit and said, it's time. And he directed me to read a book called When God Winks by Squire Rechanel. So I grabbed the book. Amazingly, again, this is a major God wink. Speaking of God winks, I went into a local bookstore in this little podunk town and there was one copy of When God Winks. And I got the book in the middle of the night. One of the things I would do at that time is I would sit alone in this big bathroom in this big, what I felt like was a, a big old empty house because we hadn't settled into it. And I was so alone in my existence at that time. And I'd turn the lights on and sit in the sunken tub and, and just read and read until the wee hours of the morning. And all of a sudden, while I was reading, there was something that came over me that said, stop and write. So I turned to an inside flap in the book and I started writing. And I remember feeling my hand just moving along the page and the words were just coming out and I watched them appear as they came out of the pen. And I wrote, you have lost so much so that you may have so much more. By letting go of what you possessed and perceived happiness to be, you are now able to be who you truly are and who you aspire to be. One who inspires and empowers through love, through faith, through me. And then I drew a cross with a heart at the bottom of it and I dropped the pen. A, I'd never drawn a cross like that. And B, 
those words, I didn't know where they came from. And I knew where they came from. It was absolutely divine messaging coming through me, affirming for me what I needed to know at one of the most broken times in my life. It's funny, I, I think about that story and I remember Liz Gilbert writing about her bathroom experience with God. Hi, God. <laughs> you may not know me. <laughs> I love that. And it's the irony that the bathroom is this place. And I maybe it's just because there's this raw vulnerability of just sitting in a bathroom where nobody can get to you and it, there's no, no dress up, nothing. You're just alone with yourself, with your spirit, with God. There is something so astoundingly magical when you can connect to an energy that you are not trying to control, but that is simply flowing through you. I knew at that moment all that I'd been through since I was that two-year-old aware that I was a big person in a little body. Everything that I'd suffered and, and, and learned from since I was that four-year-old aware of coming back into this this geeky, lanky, physical form where my, my brothers and sisters would tease me about having this olive oil body that all I'd pondered and kept pushing through, guided by this, this deep knowing that I had had since I was a nine-year-old, aware I had a mission, a purpose to fulfill. I knew at that moment I'd been given the signal, the message from God. It's time. It's time for you to step into that purpose. The reality was I was broken. I was completely broken. My life had completely fallen apart on so many levels. And so I had to wrestle with what and how was I supposed to do whatever it was I was supposed to do. And even though I was filled with this amazing excitement of, of like getting to travel the world, I, I, I felt like there was fear in not knowing what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to do it. And by the way, I want to mention, I also at that time, if I had not had family and friends, I would have, I was on the path of being homeless because of having lost so much financially. I mean, life was turned upside down. My dad asked me in ninth grade, what do you want to be when you grow up, Don? I said, a basketball player. And he and I both smiled knowing. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. Uh, first of all, I was only five foot four. And uh, secondly, we both knew girls didn't grow up to be basketball players, at least not in those days. And thank God for evolution. So he said, you know, Don, you are artistic and you have a great ability to do math. What about architecture? I had no idea what that was. And when he told me it was about designing homes, I had this feeling of, oh my gosh, what an amazing career. So I stayed on that path, had that vision in my mind as I took classes in the rest of high school and in college and I, I, I had that kind of like my, my beacon of light. It was my, it was my uh, what do they call it? The, 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 uh, the spinning light, um, the lighthouse. It was my lighthouse that I kept watching. And I knew that I wanted to go to UCLA. And I chose to be a design major. And my dad asked me, but why aren't you, being an, why aren't you choosing to be an 
architecture major? I said, because what I absolutely don't want to do is design houses with blinders on like a horse where I'm just looking at designing houses based on what I've been taught, how people design houses now. I want to make sure I learn all aspects of design, color and, and lighting. And I want to dive into painting and clay and everything. And he said, you need to focus on one thing. You do not want to be, uh, what is it called? A jack of all trades. He says, it's extremely important you master on one thing. That was the first time I said no to my dad with confidence in response to guidance he was giving me because I trusted his guidance. I've always trusted my dad's guidance and I trusted it at that time. But I knew intuitively that I needed to do what I was doing. Everything in me said, and I said it to my dad, dad, trust me, know that I know what I'm doing and it feels right for me. And he did. And so I went to UCLA and was absolutely enthralled by everything that I was learning. Standing up to my dad, the one person who I looked to for guidance and, and, and telling him that I needed to connect with me and then diving into it and feeling that, oh my gosh, it was like I literally was on the right path. I knew it. I felt it in my core. It was in my gut. It was all that I've learned in, in Taoist teachings, which is I connected with that lower Dantian energy body that said, this is right for you. When I completed my last exam in college, I was in a documentary film class and I was flying through writing the answers in a blue book. Back in the days when we didn't have computers and, and there were blue books. I remember at UCLA, I saw computers coming in the building as I left the building for the last time. And I asked what they were. They said computers. And I thought, what are those for? And when I left that documentary film class, the sun was shining. And I remember North Campus being lit in this beautiful warmth of oranges and yellows. And the trees were blossoming. It was it was uh, the end of May, and it was just stunningly, stunningly gorgeous. And I suddenly stopped under this building called Bunch Hall. It's right there in the center, um, dividing North Campus. Actually, uh, it's an entrance to North Campus from the main, main center of UCLA. And the thing that is pivotal about this building is that people knew that at least once a year, at least this is what I heard. I never saw this happen. A student would jump from that building and commit suicide because that student felt so much shame, so much guilt and judgment from their family that they had not attained the grades that their family wanted them to, that they chose to take their lives rather than keep moving forward and recognizing that they're beautiful beings, beautiful spirits here for their own evolution and whatever they got, just, it's good for right now. Keep going. So I stood there beneath that building and I said aloud, today is the first day of the rest of my life and I'm doing it my way. I'll tell you, when I said those words aloud, it actually, the, the, the words came out of me and, and, and alarmed me. I couldn't believe I stood there and said it, but I was all alone and I had this feeling, this amazing intoxicating awareness that life 
was a gigundo treasure chest of opportunities. And that even though I still considered architecture to be my career choice, I'd actually discovered while being a design major that there were six other avenues that I was considering. I was thinking of becoming a graphic designer, a teacher, focusing on theater and acting, getting involved in the development of television and film, especially documentaries. I still thought about doing that mission work, and I even thought about becoming a nun. Yes, I thought about becoming a nun. I chalked that one off my list pretty easily. (laughs) Mostly because I realized, A, I couldn't have children, and that's a big dream. And B, I knew, let's be real, Sally Fields really doesn't know how to fly, and she probably doesn't even know how to play guitar, and I definitely don't. So as much as I love God and wanted to share God's message and wanted to teach children and thought that would be a great way to do it, I took it off the list pretty quickly, and Dad said, save your mission work for later in your life. You can do it at any time. And that was another pivotal moment where I knew what he was telling me was spot on because I didn't know what the mission work was. And I knew by diving into the other five career choices I had, I could determine what that mission work was later in life. I gave myself five years to explore the opportunities. And as only a, 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 a college student with chutzpah, did I say that right? With chutzpah would do. I would go interview for a job. And I remember, for example, one guy I interviewed with, his name is John. I'm still friends with him to, the, to this day in advertising. And uh, I, was, I was interviewing for an executive secretary because it was the way for me to get into the building so that I could get involved in advertising. And he said, all right, I'll take you on. Just letting you know in three months, if it's not working out, we're going to let you go. I say, great, because in three months, if it doesn't feel right for me, I'm leaving. <laughs> He laughed. And uh, yeah, I just want to say three months later, I walked into his office and I said, hey, John, how's it going? Well, good. And and I said, "Uh, so today's three months. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, no. And he smiles. He shakes his head. He goes, you're leaving, aren't you? I said, yep. (laughs) So that is part of my journey. There is one thing I'll tell you that I have never done. I have never, ever stayed too long. Life is just too much fun. And I'll tell you, part of that is because when my best friend died when I was 16, It took me a year and a half during that journey, that seven-year journey of understanding life and death to get to the place of understanding by the time I was 17 and a half that life is this beautiful treasure chest of opportunities and why would I stay in something that does not feel succulent, that is not feeding my soul. So that's why I told myself in the five years of exploring those five different uh, career opportunities, that I would leave after three months if I was actually employed. And I did part employment, part doing my own thing. I think I had like 12 jobs. It was fantastic. So now fast forward and I've decided I'm going to go ahead and do documentary films because not only document, I'm sorry, let me me back that up a second. I've decided I'm going to immerse into the television and film industry. Why? Because I know I can incorporate all I've learned in graphic design, working on the 1984 Olympics, what I've learned in architecture, doing commercial, doing doing uh, residential, all I've learned in teaching. By then, I had been teaching um, as a substitute teacher for the five years. Um, all of my writing, my theater, I'd been producing uh, little theater performances, so much. But what I absolutely knew 
is it came down to, do I teach or do I work in the entertainment industry? And I thought, if I work in the entertainment industry, instead of reaching a few thousand children, I can reach the world of families and children and help to spread good messages, help to do entertainment and edutainment. So that's why I ultimately decided, okay, that's the path. And I ended up working in documentary films. And again, another moment of you connect with the knowing. There was a little ad in the paper. It said, wanted documentary films, documentary film editor, call. And at this point, I was living with my parents at the beach. There was, we were, gosh, a good hour and a half from Hollywood, but I wanted to live at the beach. Let's be real. And so I thought, I'm going to just look. Something tells me there is an opportunity for me here at the beach. And sure enough, there was the ad. Guy picks up the phone, goes, hey, why, what's up? What, what, why do you, what, what makes you the editor I want? And I said, well, I, I edited a couple of projects in college and, and uh, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minute pieces. And I'm a designer and I write and, and uh, I do theater and I'm just creative. And he starts laughing and he says, why in the world would I hire you over another seasoned editor? I said, because once you show me how to push those buttons, I promise you, I will be the best editor you've ever had. And he laughed, brought me in. We met. He said, I'll give you three weeks. At the end of three weeks, if it doesn't work out, we're going to shake hands and say goodbye. I said, you're on. He showed me how to push the buttons. Two weeks later, he hired me full time. Three months later, I was creative director. We went on to create, uh, I believe it was six, seven documentary films, got Telly Award, everything. It was a magical time. That is another example of knowing, of following that feeling that says, keep going, keep going. Don't listen to what other people are telling you to do. Connect with that part of you that knows this is what you're supposed to do. For the next 20 years, I go into, into the entertainment world like a kid in a candy store, not only in documentary films, but as I shared earlier in Hollywood, doing lots of promotion and, and creating entertainment shows, things like that. But I still knew there was a bigger purpose, that all I was learning was to help me with that bigger purpose, and I still didn't know what it was, that purpose I had felt at nine years old. 15 years after my best friend died in a fire, by the way, she was 16 and I had a vision that she was going to die. And I got to tell you, that is pretty freaky. I had that vision every night for four months until she finally died in a fire. So I did everything I could to push away the ability to see things because I used to see things when I was a kid. People talk about that all the time. Kids can see things. I could see things. No question. But I got scared. I didn't want to see it anymore. And then 15 years later, I knew all of a sudden that feeling came back when I knew I was going to win the grand prize at a nightclub. And I knew it two more nights in a row over the course of the next couple of weeks. And it was like, oh my gosh, this knowing is pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> and I knew I was supposed to go dancing the night I met my, my partner who ended up being the other mother, <laughs> the other mother, the mama to my girls with me. I'm mommy. And I opened my eyes to connecting with the energy of those who had passed before simply by meeting her because she helped me to see that there was this, this amazing magic in her. And I, I could feel my, my energy building, my awareness of what I love referring to as 
as God winks, those moments in life when a divine energy gently shows me something and, and guides me somewhere, it tantalizes my senses to let me know I am loved and I'm, I'm being shown the way. I promise I'll stop working at 63, I said to God, thinking I'd share a, a couple of years from, from I, I'd stop a, you know, a couple of years shy of turning 65. And, and this was at a point when I was on my way to Tennessee. And uh, so I fast forwarded a bit. And we've got our girls. And then I said to God, no, 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 I'll make it 60. Feeling really confident that by 60, I would have my girl, have the money set aside for my girls for college. We'd have houses. We'd be able to take care of people. I was in control of my life, right? And I felt at that moment that God said, when I look back on it, God said to all the angels in heaven, well, we've got another one. She says she's going to help us when she turns 60. So we got to get her ready. And at that time, um, I was 40. And around 40, something like that. And uh, my life turned upside down in a way I cannot express. We turned on the key to the motorhome and little did I know the recession that followed in 2007, that that was like a tidal wave coming after me. It was a tidal wave of exponential proportion. And it was about to obliterate my life. Why? Because I needed to learn what I needed to learn to get ready for today. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. I felt like my life was over one day in Tennessee when I was laying there in bed. I'd been in bed for three days. And I quite frankly didn't know how I was going to take the next breath. My girls had just hugged me, gone off to school. They weren't used to seeing me laying down being so so mellow i just told him don't worry mommy's mommy's okay and i said aloud to god barely audible god you got to show me why am i supposed to take the next breath help me and suddenly i went back in my mind to when i was a little girl singing k sarah sarah with doris day while i was happily cleaning the house <laughs> I, I say to my parents i was your indentured servant <laughs> And I loved cleaning, cleaning the house. And I remembered that at that time, I dreamed of two things. I knew I wanted to have children and be a mommy. And, and tears started to roll down my cheeks because I knew God had blessed me with the most beautiful little girls. At that time, I think they were nine and seven. We'd been in, in Tennessee a couple of years. And I just, I knew, actually not nine and seven, I apologize. They were actually uh, five and seven, five and seven. And... I thought, okay, I've got my girls, but, but, but what else, God? And then I remembered the mission work. I knew I was supposed to do something, and I hadn't done it yet. So I physically took my hands and picked up each of my legs, threw each leg over the side of the bed, rolled onto the floor, picked up a pen with two hands, and started writing. And that was the beginning of the end of that chapter. It was the beginning of choosing to no longer be victimized by my life's circumstances. It was the beginning of what I intuitively knew was to become my greatest purpose on this planet in this lifetime, even though I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, even though I was scared beyond belief, even though I was broken like a broken bird. I, I didn't know how I was, I was going to fly, but I knew it. And I knew that God was holding me safely in the palm of his loving hand 
and helping me get through it. And I knew that I was supposed to help people find joy. That's what suddenly dawned on me. It suddenly dawned on me. I needed to help people crawl out of the darkness to find joy, no matter how dark their life circumstances, because that's what I was doing. Fifteen years earlier, number 15 keeps popping up, my partner had said to me when we had our first big fight about staying in a relationship because I was, quite honestly, on the fence. Do I stay with a man? Do I stay with a woman? And she said to me, I'm not in love with your spacesuit. Admittedly, she said, it's cute. <laughs> but she said, I'm not in love with your spacesuit. I'm in love with what's inside your spacesuit. And in that instance, I stepped out of the fog into the sunshine of life, knowing that I was able to release all the shame, the judgment, the guilt, the regret that I had put upon myself based on feeling shit on by, by the church, by the society. At that moment, I was able to breathe freely with this deep feeling of joy and exhilarating, exhilarating happiness, knowing that she loved me not for what I look like, but for what was inside, for my spirit. Then she says, what is one in one? We were still in the heat of the argument. And I said, what? And I she probably said that first before we did the spirit thing, right? She said, what is one in one? I said, what? I'm, 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 what do you mean what is one in one? She goes, what is one in one? I said, two. And she, she stops and she smiles and she said, it's 11. You can call it two. I can call it 11. We can both be right. We can both be wrong in the other person's perspective if we want. But it all depends on how we choose to look at the world. Oh my gosh, more clarity. Absolutely astounding. This is the part that I know people come into our lives for a reason. And she absolutely came into my life so I could connect with understanding more about people passing, dying, so that I could connect more with understanding who my little person is inside my body, that, that spirit that I knew was there since I was a little two-year-old and knew I was a big person on the little body, that is one of the biggest reasons that I knew I met her, not to mention we were to bring our two beautiful girls into the world. In the mid-90s, I walked into church, and it was lunchtime, and I, I stepped away from Disney. I was, I was in the midst of an insane deadline that I was leading, about 100 people around the world, and... It was overwhelming. And I had that and I had the, the whole guilt thing going on as well. Still still going back and forth a bit about, do I date a man? Do I date a woman? Blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I was in the back of the church. It was during Lent, right before Easter. And it was as if the church, all the people split so that the, 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 the priest could look directly at me at the back of the church. And he says, God does not expect you to be perfect only want you to do your best. And I looked around like, is he talking to me? And I got teary and it took everything in me not to laugh out loud because I had asked God, show me, tell me, what am I supposed to do? And there it was. There was the message. That is one of the greatest things I've learned in my life is ask. Ask out loud. Speak your truth. Speak what you need to hear. Let God know, let source, let the universe, let mother nature, let the feminine divine, let whatever it is that you connect to, 
let the energy of that divine being connect with you and ask for guidance. January 1st, 2014. I had only been in a year relationship at this time, the, the first year of a five-year relationship with a beautiful shaman. She came to me, I came to her in this divine moment where our I, I truly believe that destiny brought us together because I was ready to learn from her. I had evolved at this time to such an exponential level in continuing to walk, continuing to take the steps, continuing to walk through the doors. I was ready for the next level of higher conscious thinking. That day that we met, <clears throat> excuse me, that we started our relationship was 10, 11, 12. How's that for, for numbers? 10, 11, 12. And as she drove to meet me and I drove to meet her, she saw a meteor going left to right. And at the same moment, I saw a shining star going right to left. And we both, we were talking and both of us at the same time went, oh! and it was this, this, oh my gosh, what is that? And from that point forward, I deeply immersed the next five years into the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and Abraham Hicks, the way of the Tao, Course in Miracles, all of the modern day sages and wisdom of guides like Deepak Chopra and Pema Chodron and Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Wayne Dyer. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I, I read the beautiful books of Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love and, and Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements and, and James Redfield's The Celestine Prophecy and, and Paulo Coelho's, I, I think I said that right, Paulo Coelho's, Coelho's The Alchemist, The ABCs of Enlightenment by Osho. Just a plethora of wisdom and knowledge connecting with, with great old and new, the old and new testament. I mean, just so much and blending it all together and coming to this awareness that my perception of God, and I already knew this on a, on a deep level because I had been studying, I had opted to start studying Buddhist thought. I knew that what I perceive as God is my perception. And that what we as human beings try to define as God is just simply because we like to have this, this picture that we want to help others to define God, to help others get to that place. And that's okay. But then there comes a, play, a time when you have to connect on a much deeper level if you really, really want to connect with the universe, with divine love, with a being, with, a, with an energy that is more beautiful, more loving, than we could ever imagine. It has no name. As they say in the way of the Tao, it is the way. There is no name, you can't define it, it's an energy. I knew I had been led to that relationship with this shaman, living 24 seven, guiding others in our 24 seven, immersed in, in ceremonies and healings and all of the things that come with connecting to the deepest part of our physical and spiritual beings where we are aware it is not us that is creating the healing. It is our connection with the divine that is coming through us and fostering that healing, fostering that knowledge, sharing that wisdom with others because that is our purpose. 
on January 1st, 2014, which is what I, where I first brought up this date, I suddenly shouted out to her, I know what it is. <laughs> I was laughing. I said, I know what my purpose is. I'm supposed to teach people how to love life, to be happy by living consciously, by making conscious choices that feel right for them, that connect deeply with their souls, their spirits. I'm supposed to help people know that they get to choose their life paths and that no path is a wrong path. They are guided by an energy, a source, the universe, mother nature, by the divine feminine, by all that is, by God. I am here to be a conduit, one of the teachers on this planet, to teach people to approach each new day with the light of God in their thoughts, the love of God in their words, the peace of God in their hearts. In 2003, it was my 10th year of working with Disney as a creative lead. And one of the animators pulled me aside one Saturday when I had stopped by with my family to take care of a couple things and I had been brought in to help a floundering project. It, had, it was falling apart and the, the executive who, who brought me in said, DL, I want you to come in here because I know you know. Not only are you an ideator and a creative, but you're a people person and I know you can, you can bring this team together and you can bring this project home. That was one of the most beautiful compliments. And so now here's this animator She's from Russia, and she says to me, and I say from Russia because I loved her accent, Dona Lisa, you are like water for flowers. I have to say that is the most beautiful compliment I have ever received in my life. Besides hearing the word, mommy, I love you. <laughs> the words, mommy, I love you. In 2006, a few years later, I was leading another project at Disney. And one of the top execs says, uh, excuse me, do you have a minute? And he pulls me in. I didn't know who he was. I said, sure. And uh, he pulls me into his office. And I'm thinking he's going to propose to me another project because I'm about done with the one I'm working on. And he says, you are one of God's littlest angels, aren't you? <laughs> I smiled. And I thought about my perspective of the world at two, four, and nine years old. And I said, yes. And I knew I wasn't the only angel, but that we are all angels. And it's just simply that I've chosen to embrace this journey of spiritual evolution in physical form, knowing that we each have a purpose and that we are all connected to one another. Like, like what, what is one of those quotes? Like drops of water in the ocean. The ocean cannot exist without all the drops of water. I am just one of the little angels. But the fact that he acknowledged it affirmed for me that my light was shining and I was making a difference in a way that I dreamed of. And it wasn't me. It was the God energy that was coming through me. There have been so many intense journeys of evolution that I have walked through in my 61 years of physical form to this date or again I, I, I'm going to be posting this on my 62nd birthday so in my 62 years a beautiful evolution in this lifetime it has been a roller coaster that quite honestly has been so intense with highs and lows that 
I quite frankly would wish upon no one simply because to survive it, you have to have intense tenacity, courage, perseverance, connect with joy, faith, hope, be willing to get up off the ground when you're crying so hard you think you are going to melt into the planet. So in that frame of mind, I would wish it upon everyone. Because if you truly believe you can do it, I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. I want you to know that there is nothing more powerful, more exhilarating than to get to this place of knowing that it is not about that person that you see in the mirror, that physical form. It's just a spacesuit. It's about the evolution of your spirit connecting with all the other spirits on this planet. And we just happen to be given the physical form that we have at this current moment because that's just what works for right now. I have been blessed beyond words to get to this point, <laughs> knowing that it's time. It's time for me to reach out to you in the world with this podcast. I have been connecting with women specifically all over the world for the last four years, ever since the pandemic, because I, again, had the amazing blessing of being involved with Kathy Heller's Made to Do This program, which was just succulent. It was so beautiful. I was asked to be Sherry Salata's community manager for the support system, which was mind-blowing. <laughs> Sherry, who was the executive producer for Oprah Winfrey Show and, and the, uh, the president and, uh, of uh, OWN and Harpo. And I just bring that up because she has this amazing journey of 22 years with, with Oprah and then steps out to do her thing and knows she, her purpose is not to be that with Oprah, but to share her vision of letting people know how to say the beautiful no. Kathy Heller, her vision was, though she is an amazing songwriter and was able to make a, an amazing income as a songwriter, she knew at the depth of her, her being, inspired by her, her husband's support of her, that it was bigger than that, that she absolutely loved helping people make their dreams come true in the sense of what they wanted to do with their lives, the businesses they wanted to start. And so she dove into that and what she has done to help women all over the world, what Sherry has done to help women all over the world, women and men, again, I say women because that was the predominant, but what they have done to help people all over the world is absolutely phenomenal. And I have been fortunate enough to connect with so many by being in their forums. And I knew it was time for me to step away. And I knew it was time for me to push away my own fear. What is fear? The acronym false evidence appearing real. Is the world really going to want to hear what I have to say? I knew I had to push away the fear and step into the next chapter of my life. And that chapter begins with this podcast. It begins with connecting with you all over the world and helping you to connect with your spirit. 
that beautiful spirit inside of you that so many of us that we've lost while we've been trying to do what we think we're supposed to do, what people tell us we should do. It's time for, for us to be together during this podcast to connect with high vibe consciousness, to connect with that feeling inside that says, I am worthy. You are worthy. Everything about you is a miracle of God, a miracle of source, a miracle of light, a miracle of the divine. I'm hoping that this podcast helps to facilitate for you the ability to release the fear, the ability to no longer should on yourself. Should, not shit, should. <laughs> to no longer should on yourself. To no longer think you can't do it. To no longer think you are lesser than others. What I hope in this podcast is that you are able to connect with your deepest joy. That when you look in the mirror, you look not at the physical form, but you look into your eyes, into your spirit, and you say, I love how happy looks on you. I am honored to be here with you today. I am honored that you have taken time to listen. I am honored to have gotten this far in my physical being. And every night when I go to sleep, I thank God for the day, for all that we did together. I thank God for being with me. And I say to God, you know, if tomorrow is meant to be, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, regardless, for today, for all we got through. And when I wake up in the morning and I see the light come through the window, I say, hey, God, we get another day, don't we? Thanks. Let's do this. So today I say to you, my beautiful listeners around the world, let's do this. This podcast is all about high vibe connection with me, with you, with the world. We are a part of the domino effect of making sure that this planet survives from a place of love and peace and joy and happiness. Because without that, there is no reason to be here. So I say to you, one of the most beautiful greetings and, and salutations that I've ever heard is namaste. I honor your beautiful spirit as I honor my beautiful spirit. And I wish for you each and every moment of the day, the light of God in your thoughts, the love of God in your words, the peace of God in your heart. And to remember a beautiful quote, which is my favorite quote. Well, actually, <laughs> my favorite quote is, I was normal once, and that was the worst two minutes of my life. 
But the quote that is my mantra, if you will, and I am paraphrasing, is by the beautiful 14th Dalai Lama. And I was in my 30s, ebbing towards my 40s, when I thought my, my goal is to be peaceful by the time I turn 40. By the time I turned 40, I thought, well, I've got more peace. But I, I, I knew I was still, there was still unrest, right? And then in my Buddhist book of wisdom, I read from the Dalai Lama, the intention is not to be peaceful, but rather to learn to approach each moment peacefully. The intention is not to be peaceful, but rather to learn to approach each moment peacefully. So I invite you to join in with this podcast whenever you have time, when you can sit with me and with my guests, who I must say I am so honored to present so many beautiful guests who are going to share their journeys in high conscious, high vibe connection. And to help you to see that you too have the amazing ability to do this every single day and to have a life that is more magical, more amazing than you ever dreamed of. Know that I love you with all of my heart. Here we go. Let's do this. Well, there you have it. Episode one is, as they say in the entertainment industry, in the can. Oh my gosh, I still have butterflies in my belly. I also want to say there is this kind of raw feeling of running across the stage like they did in the 1960s during the Oscars. Uh, maybe it was the 1970s, but naked, streaking across the stage. That's kind of what it feels like here, reaching out to the world through podcasting. You're not quite sure how everybody's going to react. You're imagining that the world is going to laugh and enjoy it, but at the same time there is something that you know you can't go back what you do is you do and what I can tell you is this I don't want to go back that is part of why I do this I want to keep going forward I want to keep sharing what I have to share if I am able to help just you just the one listener to feel like wow life truly is amazing I can embrace it and connect to this this energy that allows me to make my dreams come true to manifest more than I could ever imagine then you know what? It's worth it. Every single moment that I am spending on this, creating this with my guests and with my amazing audio engineer, Tyler, behind the scenes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tyler. We love presenting this gift to you. If you'd like to reach out to me to say hello, please feel free to do so. And remember, be nice, only nice comments. My email is Donna-Lisa at thewowevolution.com. You can see that email address in the notes. You're also more than welcome to follow me in Facebook and Instagram. I promise you there is a lot more coming. I'm in the midst of writing a couple of books. One never knows when they're going to come out because I'm working on the podcast series. There is so much to share with you. And before we go, one last thing, I'd like to let you listen to a little tease of next week's guest, a very, very special person to me in my life who you will find out more about in our interview. His name is Spencer Ludwig. He is a Grammy award-winning song producer, uh, a lyricist, trumpeter. He, as a young boy, 
felt this this connection with the trumpet that made him believe it was it was almost like a part of his body and he has gone on to make dreams come true bigger than he ever imagined here listen to this the joy and the happiness that i get from playing music and and the feeling that i get that like you were talking about about feeling like you know we're a vessel for for translating the human experience i received that from the trumpet players and the musicians that i listen to and look up to and really felt that i was somebody who could do that too and who wanted to do that and so i just pursued the journey of becoming a master translator and communicator through music until next time know that i appreciate you appreciate you being here and love that we are able to share this time together sending blessings and light and love have a peaceful and beautiful day and remember you have the choice every day to connect so just do it be the light <laughs>